Welcome to the podcast, the title Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs this week in the sport of boxing. My name is Wilton Henry, and I'm accompanied by Daniel Lee. One of our members is out. He's on vacation this week, and so um, he'll be back with us next Monday. Today, we got a pretty short episode for you, just about three or four bouts that we're going to uh, recap. But I just want to start off, Danny, man. I know, like, where I'm at, I'm outside on the balcony chilling. You know what I mean? It's been a beautiful weekend in the D.C. area. Um, so, really, basically, this weekend, have you had an opportunity to enjoy some of this beautiful weather? I have. I um, I was outside a little bit yesterday, um, just kind of walking around downtown Norfolk um, today. And just to give you some background, um, you know, I went to Virginia Tech for college and on the 16th, so this past Friday, um, that's kind of the anniversary of, of the shooting. And so we do the the 3.2 for 32, so we run a 5K over the course of the weekend. So today, probably when I get off, I'm going to go and, and, and do my 5K for that. I haven't done mine yet, so I'm going to get it in. So that'll really be my chance to enjoy outdoors. I'm not sure if I'm going to drive all the way out to the beach or if I'm going to just go back downtown. More than likely, I'll just go back downtown. But, yeah, that's the plan, man. Oh, that's cool. Like, what's the temperature's been like? It's been like mid-60s, man. Perfect. Perfect spring weather. Oh, yeah, man. It's beautiful out here. But let's go ahead. Without further ado, let's get to this this episode. Um, Yesterday, Demetrius Andre, he laced him up with Liam Williams. Um, and about on the zone. What did you think about Boo Boo's performance? You know what? Overall, I wasn't mad at it. Um, I, I saw, you know, I, I caught the fight on Twitter and, and it seemed like people weren't impressed. I'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, I scored at 117, 110 in his favor. Uh, when Andre wanted to control the fight, he did a real good job, I thought, of, of moving and picking his shots. Uh, the jab or the uppercut were the best shots that, that he was throwing for what I saw. And in the second round, he got he got Williams down with a beautiful one-two uh, right down the middle. Now, um, going into the fight, Williams was pretty vocal about the fact that he had a better motor, and he he seemed intent on on gassing Andre. And so, you know, most of the fight, he he smothered Andre. He tried to smother him. He came forward all night. He clinched a lot. He he talked a lot of trash. Um, it seemed like he just wanted to kind of get it to his head to get him to spend more energy. And, um, you know, the later rounds I thought were, were closer. Andre's shots were, were less effective. He was still landing the uppercut and landing in general. But Williams continued to be – it was like it was he was less bothered by it in the later rounds than he was in the earlier rounds. And Williams just continued to come closer and was more successful in landing his own jab. And he even hurt Andre in a few spots and forced him to clinch. Uh, but overall, I didn't think, um, you know, he what he was doing in those later rounds was enough to win many of those, and um, and especially not to offset the, the first half of the fight. But I did give Williams rounds four, eight, and nine. Um, but yeah, the sentiment I got from Twitter was that people were unimpressed with his performance. Um, but I also thought that was a testament of of how Williams fought and how tough an opponent he was in general. He just seemed like a tough out. I wasn't. I mean, with a lot of his his um, you know his fights going into this one, but you know he's a he's a tough guy, uh, very chinny, and and you know like Andre is not a knockout artist. 
You know, like he he got the knockdown, but I didn't come into this fight saying, "Oh yeah, he's definitely gonna win by knockout." I thought it was gonna be a a hard fought decision win on his part, and you know, I, I guess it's it's just testament to how much the uh, like the general sentiment of the fans they want to see a knockout or something like that because it sounded similar to, you know, when Devin Haney put together that brilliant performance against Gamboa, but people weren't impressed because he didn't get the knockout, but he won. He outboxed him. He won most of those rounds, and so. Um, you know, it was unfortunate to see his perception of that, but uh, I thought it was a good fight. I thought he he looked good. I, I I would think that you know for him to have been avoided if if another champion in that weight class wanted to come after him, now would be the time to do so. Yeah, I had it one eighteen, one oh nine ish, or one seventeen, one ten for Andre. He just didn't seem like he could miss with that straight left and that uppercut throughout the fight. And like you said, Williams, he kept coming forward. And so he made it where Andrade never really could just coast. You know, he always had to work, you know, throughout the fight. Um, Williams, I think moving forward, he needs to, like next camp, probably should just be working on head movement and trying to cut off the ring because those are two things that he was unable to do yesterday. And also, like you said, Williams even wobbled um, Andrade uh, several times in that fight. Andre, on the other hand, he, he's highly skilled, man. Like He's, he's definitely going to be tough for any of the top 160-pound fighters and contenders um, in that weight class. The only thing that I don't really like about Andre is it just seems like he's so content. He's cool with where he's at in his career. If the other guys don't want to fight me, then, you know, he's not like – he just doesn't do what, what he needs to do in order to demand that the boxing community, like demand that the other champions face him, you know. You know, when I look at his resume, the last guy, like, I don't know Liam Williams. Like, maybe, you know, only thing that I know, like, when I researched him, I saw that he had two losses against um, Liam Smith, you know, the guy that Canelo beat a couple of years back. Matter of fact, that was the day that we all met, you know, at Buffalo Wild Wing. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it just, to me, he's he's cool with making his paydays and being where he is in his career. He's not looking to like be a cut above and demand that like I'm the man like and you know with my skill set you know I'm willing to prove that but also just not keep fighting these type guys you know it just it seemed like a replay of what I've seen him do before like he'll get in there first round either hurt the guy or knock the guy down then he'll like pretty much you know not necessarily coast to victory, but he'll have a big enough lead where he doesn't have to put himself in jeopardy or anything like that. Actually, the last guy that I remember him facing that I knew before the fight started was Von Smata Rosen back in 2013. These other guys I just really are not familiar with. So that's the reason why I'm not necessarily impressed because I know it's like when we were talking about Boots Ennis, not that he's fighting a, those type of caliber opponents that Boots, Boots was fighting, but Boots said a different you know, stage in his career. It's just that I know what you can do against this caliber of opponent. I've seen you do this since 2013. So I just want him to step up. So I think that goes into um, where he goes from here, you know. Um, so for me, like what I would like for him to do and what I would like to happen is, I, you know, next the logical step would be based on his skills and brushing your skills up against other guys who are at that level, it would be somebody like a Charlo or Golovkin. You know, that's what I would like to see. Based on his track record, 
I'm thinking that he's going to face another Liam Williams or Luke Keeler or Arthur Akavov, you know, somebody like that. But at the end of the day, I'll settle for a Murata who has the WBA belt or even a Chris Eubank Jr. But what about you? What, what do you think? Uh, where do you think Andre should go from here? I more or less agree with you. Um, running down a list of the title holders, you, you got, you already mentioned Charlo. Uh, however, he's fighting uh, Juan Montiel on on June in June nineteenth, and on top of that, uh, he's a PBC fighter. You know how that drama can go. He doesn't seem to want that fight that much. Um, so I probably want to see him fight him the most, but I probably expect to see it the least out of all the other champions. Uh, Murata is the WBA champion, and. He's co-promoted by top rank, so I don't think there'd be a much drama on that side. But he also he doesn't have any fights coming up, which is good. But he he also has a long layoff, which is bad. He hasn't had a fight since 2019, and so uh, he would need some kind of tune-up. Um, and so you know that timeline would be looking pretty much like probably like around this time next year if if, they, if those two were to fight, which I'll be okay with if that if that were to go down. But in, in the immediate future. You already said the name, but Triple G makes the most sense. He he has the IBF belt. Um, he just fought uh, a week some weak opposition in December. He doesn't have any fights coming up. They both are on the zone. Um, that fight just seemed to make the most sense, and, and to to me, and um, and I don't know how much Triple G how, how much longer he plans to fight. You know, he just turned thirty nine, I believe. But you know, if you want to. You know, if he's going to ride off into the sunset, okay. But if he wants to put his belts on the line and unify, continue to try to be great, great at the uh, at the middleweight division, Andre is right there for you. And um, but I think that would be a uh, not a great style matchup for. I mean, I, I think it will favor Andre um, if they were to fight. Um, but you know, it just kind of. I, I hope that happens because you know you you hear Eddie Hearn at the end of the fight. You know, he said that Andre is his hard, hardest fighter to promote. And he was almost like kind of giving them backhanded comments in a post-fight interview, you know, telling other fighters, you know, see, look at him. He didn't get the job done. He didn't, you know, he uh, he, he started to get tired of the late rounds, you know, kind of trying to put his own, his own fighter down to get to, to beat other fighters into fighting him. But uh, Triple G makes the most sense to me is a short answer to that question. But on that, uh, that trailer card, the Fight Club, which is – a, a very interesting spectacle, <laughs> to say the least. But um, there, there on that card, there were, you know, Jake Paul and Askren were the were the main event. But on that on that uh, undercard were the only two, you know, professional fighters that are on the the world class scene, which was uh, Regis Prograce and Ivan Redcash. Did you did you catch that? And if you did, how did you have that one looking? Um. Yeah, I caught it. I caught pretty much all those fights on that Triller fight card. Triller, man, like, you know, when I looked at it, just even before I get into that fight, um, Triller is, is entertaining, it's interesting, but then also it just looked like a little bit of exploitation going on also. But that's a whole other conversation, man. Man. Like crazy, man. Like, but anyway, did you see Oscar De La Hoya when he was talking? No, I, I, oh, I missed it. Man, check him out. I've never seen Oscar talk like that. He was, Oscar was on something yesterday. 
he was just way too cool. I've oh, never seen out of all these years, I've never seen Oscar talking like that. But shout out to Triller though, man. Um, but as far as the Regis Progress Ivan Redcat fight, I had it. I think at the time of the stoppage in the six, I had Progress up. It was either 59-55 or 60-54. And that was just based on the fact that the first round was debatable because it was more like a filling out round. You could have gave it to Red Cat. But outside of that, rounds two through six, it was all progress. Um, in those rounds, he basically exhibited the superior boxing skills while landing some mean left hooks on Reddick. He That's another fight when a guy just couldn't miss. And he was hitting him with the left hand also. I think it was a little bit more powerful than Boo Boo, but at the same time, he was doing some serious damage on Red Cat. And, you know, he rocked him several times and opened up a cut over Reddick's eye or Red Cat's eye. Um, I remember, I recall, I didn't really take too many notes for this, but I, I do recall him noticeably like shaking him up in a second. And then it was one of those rounds, I want to say it was at the end of the fourth. He almost got him out of there, you know. Um, but, you know, it was all progress. I think Red Cat, he's kind of, he might be in the wrong field. You know what I mean? Wrong profession. I think he might be missing his calling because um, after I looked at that replay, I think he should be the leading candidate for an Academy Award, you know, with that performance in the sticks. <laughs> because, I mean, really, I don't know, because it did, first and foremost, it didn't look like it was a low blow, you know, for one. Now, I don't, it, it looked like it really didn't land clean either. I don't know, I'm not in his body, so maybe it could have been, like they said, a jock strap or something like that hit him wrong and it caused that type of reaction and pain. But like I said, at the very least, it just wasn't a low blow. So for him to go down like that, I think Regis should have really got a knockout for that fight. Um, but it was a good stay busy fight for him. He was warming up and like I say, he was doing some serious damage on Red Cat. What I'd like to see for Regis moving forward is, you know, I keep harping on this, but I want to see him and A B go at it. I think that would be a good fight for on both ends. I think that it will put A B in a situation where his antennas would be up. So you'll probably see the best A B that you hadn't seen in a long time because he knows the threat that Regis is. So I just really think that'd be a really quality bout. Um I would favor progress but i think that ab would be a live dog and that'd be another lucrative fight for progress you know and then also it can help rekindle ab's career so that's the first thing that i would like to see for him moving forward and ab as well but based on what i was hearing in the fight he might be facing teo soon especially if taylor vacates the belts if he's victorious against ramirez so that'll be another um good next move for him um, but either way, the future looks looks bright for Regis Progress. Yeah, I agree with I, – I, I pretty much had the card the way you had it. Uh, it was pretty much a sweep, but it was a filling out round in that first round. It was almost like – you know, it was one of those, those rounds where it's like it's 30 seconds left, and it's like, all right, if somebody gets all something clean, then I'll give them the round, I guess. Um, so I won't be mad at that round going either way, but, you know – the trajectory, regardless, that was that progress was was, was going to get him out of there at some point. And by round five, it looked like Red Cash was looking. He was looking for either to survive or looking for a way out. And I watched that replay of that shot in the sixth round a few times that put him down. And and yeah, I don't I, I wanted his body, but but yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't near the 
that that belt line to me, um, I wasn't it, it wasn't flush for sure, but it, it landed a little more like a like a body shot or a kidney shot. But I don't know if he had any kind of internal damage that maybe we weren't privy to. And if that's the case, you know, I definitely wish him well. I hope there wasn't anything long term. But from what I saw from where I sat, um, you know, I don't see how at the very least they can't they, they couldn't change that decision to a to a knockout versus technical decision. I didn't like the way that ended for, for Pro Grace and I, I saw that he was he recorded a video after the fact and I saw he was pretty mad about that himself. Understandably so because you know you go through this camp and you land a clean shot. It just comes down to one second you land a shot and, and you know you get it like that. And I don't know if it was a testament to to the refereeing that they had on that specific trailer card or, or what? I don't know if that would have happened on, you know, and this is a speculation, but I don't know if that would have happened on a, a Showtime or a zone or, or a ESPN card, you know, but I didn't like that. But, but like you said, it was a stay busy fight for him. He, he kind of did what he wanted to do there. And um, there are a whole lot of options. There are some moving parts at 140. So again, you know, after Taylor and Ramirez unify, um, you know, you don't know what that what that belt holder is gonna do. Um, AB is right there, but and you know, for for AB to have said at the beginning of the year, for him to have said that he wants to have three fights, three or four fights this year, and in the in the last fight before a world title, uh, I haven't heard much from him since since uh, since that that win in February. And so, you know, if that's something that he wanted to do, um, and he wanted to you know fight legitimate competition. That that seems like a natural one to make happen, and I think down the road, you know, you you have you know Tiafimo is about to fight uh, pretty soon here, and so uh, I would imagine that before before Lopez moved up to 140, I would think he would want to fight somebody else legitimate at that weight. Not that Cambosos isn't legitimate, but I would think he want to fight one of those young guns that are there, like you know Haney or 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 Garcia or, or whoever he get his hands on before moving up, but. I won't blame him if he didn't, but the options are there for him. Uh, Progress has again; he has a bright future, like you said, and so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does, regardless of what it is that he does in the future. So, at the same time that fight was happening on Fox, they had the Tony Harrison and Brian Perella card too. Um, I understand you watched that. We texted about it a little bit. Uh, how did you? How did you like that one? How did you? Yeah. Feel? So with this fight, I really. I watched the whole fight, but like you said, it was like simultaneously with the other car um, of what was going on. So I was kind of like looking at both and um, the Tony Harrison versus Brian Perella fight. I can tell that, well, first and foremost, Tony Harrison, this is the first fight that he's had since December 21st, 2019. And it was that KO loss that he had against Charlo. I, could, I When I'm looking at him for the maybe first half of the fight, I could tell that he was overconfident. And you can just see it. You can sense it. Just even based on how he was fighting. Perello, on the other hand, he had lost his last two out of four fights and he was knocked out in his last fight. Also in 2018, the other loss was against a very old Luis Colazo. So I know Harrison thinking that this dude is coming up from 147. This is his first fight at 154. Coming off a KO loss, you know, he's on a downswing as far as the amount of wins that he's had. 
this is an easy win for me. And since he just got knocked down, he's a smaller man. I'm just going to go ahead and walk him down. That was a bad decision on his part. It, to me, this is very similar, eerie similar to Anthony Durrell in his comeback, his first comeback fight when he fought against, I want to say it was Kyron Davis a little over a month ago after he suffered the kill, lost to David Benavidez. Mm-hmm. It's like he's overconfident. And it's, it's hard to get up for that type of opponent when you're the older fighter coming off a long layoff, coming off a knockout loss. The opponent is better than their record indicates. That always spells trouble for the older fighter. Now, um, like I said, Harrison thought that he was just going to walk him down and land something and the fight would be over with, but he actually played right into Perella's hands. Like That's the only way that Perella could have made the fight competitive. And by walking someone down and trying to land some something big, that's really not Tony's game. But once he started to like box and he let Perella be on the front foot and he was like moving around and countering him, then that's when the fight was going in Harrison's favor. But most of the fight, Perella was like beating Harrison to the punch, you know, while he was using angles. And then he'd get I like out of the way, you know, before he gets trapped in the corner. And so it was a constant that going on throughout most of the fight so it could have went either way i didn't score it because like i said it was two fights going on at the same time um so but based on what i did see it looked like it could have very well been a draw just based on what i saw now moving forward i think harrison i think like like i said even with the real i think both of them still they have a lot left in the tank but more so for harrison what he needs to do is he just needs to stick to his game plan, like what he does best, no matter who the opponent is. Just go ahead and do what it is that you do. And I think if he would have did that, he probably would have ended up stopping Perella. I also want to shout out Roy Jones because he put an excellent game plan in place for Perella to be competitive against uh, Tony Harrison. Um, also for Harrison, he probably like moving forward. You know, he's about 30, 31. He's been in some tough fights. I would try to just get fights now where it's against fighters that my antennas would be up and I'll, you know, I respect my opponent. So I'm going to be up for that opponent and put my best foot forward. I just don't think he did that in this fight. And that's why it was so competitive. And I'm also interested to see where Perilla goes from here because he um, put on a good performance. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, those scorecards are wild, man. The judges, one one judge had a 116-112 Harrison. The other one had a 117-111 Perella. And and then there was a judge that scored the draw. Um, Perella was the busier fighter. Um, Harrison was more efficient. Uh, the copy box numbers I had, I saw um, Harrison landed 138 out of 453. Perella landed at 150 out of 692. Um, <clears throat> Harrison landed 46% of his power punches, so he was pretty efficient there. Um, I didn't catch the fight live. I was kind of watching watching some of it earlier this morning. And, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't too mad at the draw. Um, I, for some reason, I thought Harrison was an older fighter, like in his mid to late 30s, not more so mid-30s, but, uh, but he is 30, and so... Yeah, um, you know, I, I did see that Charlo is not really interested in giving him a third fight. So, um, and then he's Charlo is unifying the division with with Castaño in a few months. And so after that, um, yeah, if I'm if I'm him, I'm gonna just try to 
fight those fighters that that are gonna make him that are gonna bring out the best of him because you know from the fights that I've seen from in the past, he's kind of had inconsistent performances a, a little bit, and I think that has to do with with the fighters that he's fought because uh, he, he's a good fighter. I mean, he beat Charlo already, and, and Charlo is arguably about to be the undisputed champion of the division, and so the talent is there. He's you know he's a he's still a, a pretty active fighter. He's a young fighter, and and so you know he could definitely have a pretty good. Uh, continue to have a pretty solid career at the, you know, at that division. You didn't have anything else for that one, did you? No, not, not really. I think, like I said, I think you, you pretty much nailed it on that. Um, it ain't really much too much else to say um, with regard to Harrison, but I, I do also yeah. um, just want to add in, it's really building off of what you were saying is that Harrison, he's one of those guys that, you know, when he's up, he can compete against anybody. You know, and, you know, there's certain attributes that he has that's going to make it tough on any opponent that he faces. And he has deficiencies where he's always going to be vulnerable. So he'll be in good fights. But it's just a matter of the caliber of opponent that he's going to face in order for him to get up. Like I said, he can beat any of those guys. Like you say, beat Charlo. And he was competitive against her um, before he ended up wilting, you know, in the end. And that's just what her was doing to people at that time. He was just, you know, <laughs> breaking them down and then, you know, taking them out at the end of the fight. But when I look at the 154-pound fighters, you know, like I said, when I look at the top guys, he's right there with them, you know, if he's if he's focused and he, if he's motivated. Yeah, maybe somebody like a, like a Laura would be good for him. Um... I, I know he would get up for that one. And then I don't know. Laura's been out for a long time. I haven't seen much from him um, since before the, the pandemic. So um, maybe maybe that would be a good opponent for him. Perhaps. Yeah, you got a list of upcoming fights that you were um, talking about. Um, what, what, what do we have coming down the pipe? So next week on ESPN Plus, uh, Emmanuel Navarrete and Christopher Diaz are, are fighting. Uh Edgar Berlanga will also be back against uh, Demar Nicholson, and so you know I believe he's seventeen and no off top with seventeen first round knockouts. So you know he he's building that buzz now of is he you know is he going to get another first round knockout? When is that streak going to end? On May first, uh, Andy Ruiz and Chris Ariola had that Fox pay per view. Uh, Showtime has put out their list, so I'm just gonna and not not a chronological order between Showtime and his own, but they both put out their list of of fights that are coming up. Um, on the May the 29th, you have Nordine Ubali and Nornito Denaire for the WBC Bantamweight. I believe that was rescheduled because one of them had COVID. Um, on the 19th of June, I mentioned this earlier, but Jamar Charlo is fighting Juan Montiel for the WBC Middleweight. On June 26th, uh, Tank Davis is fighting Mario Barrios. That's going to be a Showtime pay-per-view fight. July 3rd, Chris Colbert is coming back to fight uh, – Uriokas Gamboa on July 17th. Jamel Charlo is fighting a unification fight against Castaigne, we were just talking about. And on August 28th, David Benavidez is fighting Jose Uzquetagwe. And that's a, a, t- a title eliminator for the WBC. Uh, Canelo holds that belt. And so it's possibly setting him up for a, a fight against Canelo after that, which I know some, some folks wanted to see. And on the zone side, on April 29th, Chisora is fighting Joseph Parker. Canelo against Billy Joe Sanders is on May 8th. 
on May 29th, we have Devin Haney and Jorge Linares. And on July 9th, we have Ryan Garcia and Javier Fortuna. So a lot of good fights coming down the pike, for real. I'm excited about a lot what's, of those. What's your so, top three that you're most excited about? Top three, I would definitely say the Canelo fight because, uh, you know, Billy Joe Sanders, I think he's another one of those guys that, you know, he's got to have the right opponent to, to really get him. Because he, he, he looked kind of pedestrian against Martin Murray. But I think it's Canelo. He's, he's coming with his A game. Um, I think that Charlo fight is going to – the 154 Charlo, that unification – is going to to be interesting. Um, one, because it's unification and we're going to have an undisputed champ. But two, you know, it'll be interesting to see those styles against each other. And then I'm also excited to see that Haney and Lenares fight because that's going to be that's, – that's really going to answer some questions about Haney. It's going to be as tough as one. He's not a knockout puncher, and so uh, – and Lenares is game. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays yeah, out. What about you? The ones that I'm very, very interested in is the Haney Lenares, definitely, because Lenares got some serious skills, and that's going to really tell what Devin has, like if he's one of those upper echelon guys. You know, if you can handle somebody like that, then, you know, this the sky's the limit, you know. Even if he struggles, it's still a good, you know, um, kind of like gauge you know, on what he would have to work on. And then I'm looking forward to the Ryan Garcia fight because I honestly think that Ryan Garcia's camp, I think what they're doing with the Fortuna fight is they're trying to set up an opponent who has similar dimensions um, as to Tank Davis. And so they want to put him in there with somebody like that first before they just, you know, unleash him to Tank. And so I think that that's going to be a good test because Fortuna, he knows how to fight tall guys. But also, I want to see what Fortuna is able to do um, after he gets clipped. Ryan is, is packing some serious power, you know, nowadays. So that's going to be an interesting match. Also, I respect what Jamil is doing by unifying belts. Like he's he's one of these, these uh, champions that's not – cutting corners you know what i'm saying like his brother like if i would flip it like what's one of the most disappointing fights is seeing jamal fight against montiel i have no idea who that guy is and he, he he's doing the same thing as andre is doing you gotta fight like some higher caliber opponents do away with those higher caliber opponents and then the fans all fans will side with you like no canelo you gotta go ahead and face him that's the biggest threat out there but they're not doing that just imagine if Canelo fought somebody like that. Just imagine if Can- Canelo is fighting some of these guys that you never heard of. You know what I mean? You may say that with Yildrum, but at the same time, he had just fought Callum Smith, and he's fighting high-level opposition. These guys are not. You can't demand anything when the cash cow is doing all of the heavy lifting. So um, let me see who else. I'm also interested to see what Colbert is going to do with Gamboa. You know, I think Gamboa's a live dog in that fight because he's he's pretty big, he's pretty solid, and I want to see what Colbert is going to be able to do with him. The other one that I'm going to be very, very intrigued about is going to be the Benavidez Uzgatiki fight because Uzgatiki is very heavy-handed, and like I say, Benavidez, the biggest issue that I have with him, it really is two. One is he kind of straight up and down, you know, and well, that's the biggest thing. So his chin is in the air, and who's got that he has power. So it depends on whether or not he's going to be able to um, 
handle that pressure that Benavides is going to put him through and is, is he going to wither or if he's still standing after the mid rounds to the late rounds if and when he begins to land on Benavidez, how that's going to play out. If Benavidez wipes the floor with him, then there you go. You got a guy who can really demand that Canelo fight. You know what I mean? And then lastly, I do want to see Canelo, because whenever Canelo fights, it's an event. It's something where you're going to be really, you know, um, I don't know if you're going to be out because it's COVID. You know what I'm saying? But people are going to be, sports bars are going to be um, packed as, much of the capacity as it possibly can be. You're going to have people who have people over. You're going to have people talking about it because that's Canelo, and that's what he brings to the table. And so those are the fights that I want to see. But lastly, those guys are stars, you know what I mean? And like a Canelo, he put himself in a position to be a star by fighting all of the guys that he's faced. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm going to be one guy, you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I truly, to my heart, to my core, I want to see my people do well. But also, you know, in the sport of boxing, I want them, those guys who have the talent like an Andre, I want you to demand it. Like, I want you to go ahead and make it without a shadow of a doubt that you are the one that the cash cow needs to see. And then, because see, what I'm afraid of, if somebody like Andre ends up being the one to defeat Canelo, then he goes back to fighting guys like, Liam Williams. You know what I mean? That's not an event. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you don't want to, to take, a, like, wipe out the cash cow right. and have this guy who's really, like, turning people away from the sport. You know what I mean? Because of the fact that they're not willing to, you know, take on the best and, um, you know, just do what is necessary as the star in the sport. But, yeah, those are the fights that I want to see. Anything else that you want to, you know, discuss before we wrap things up? This is pretty much a short episode, just four fights. Um, and you know, but like I say, anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, I would just add that if that were to happen, something like that, like I don't think Andre is is very good at promoting himself. But if he puts himself in a position where the fighter going to fight him, I think he would be he would thrive there. So if he were to fight somebody like a a Canelo or something, whereas you know people looking for that Canelo payday, people might see, but, you know, but they might be, you know, they might be kind of afraid to face him as an opponent because of the power Canelo has. If somebody were like a, like an Andre were to beat him, I think that more people would look at him as a more beatable opponent to unify belts than Canelo. So it is possible that he could bring this off the strength of showing his boxing prowess against a bigger fighter. I think it's possible he could bring that out, um, of bring other fighters out. Another thing I thought was interesting was uh, I was looking at. Now I, I'm excited about both about both the the, the Haney and the, the Garcia fights. I thought it was interesting because I was reading about what Garcia was saying going into it. Because as we know, Garcia, uh, you know, he was Haney's mandatory, and he was about to fight. You know, him and Tank were talking, and then him and Pacquiao were talking, and now he's against Fortuna. I thought it was interesting him saying Haney's belt was meaningless and just a paper belt. When a he has a lesser belt uh, under that same commission, and, and b you know he he's not he didn't take the mandatory if, if that's what he thought you know, but that was all I got. But I but again overall I'm excited. Um, I hope we get some. I hope we get some good fights. I hope those fights set up good fights, and you yeah, know we'll definitely. be here to talk about a only only I mean, way that Brian Garcia can justify not 
fighting tank. Now, that's not a good excuse as far as that being a paper belt. You know, if you want smoke, you want smoke. He has a belt that's definitely regarded as, you know, definitely a step above the belt that you have. So you can't use that as an excuse. Now, if he's just talking or whatever, and at the end of the day, he's looking to get himself prepared the best way possible for Tank Davis, the only way you can justify this is if Tank is next. That's it. Like, if not, then it's a cut right there, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm hoping that that is the case because I like the energy that Brian brings to the sport. You know what I mean? And I think that he's another one of those guys that he would handle it right. That right there has me questioning it. You know, the fact that what he said about Tank, not Tank, but um, Devin Haney's belt not being, you know, like a paper belt and stuff like that. I don't like that piece of it because you're not there yet to be, you know, if you were to cast Kyle and you're saying stuff like that, you know, you move on to bigger and better things. But no, you're really trying to step up to get a world title. Like, you need to do that first. And this is unprecedented. Like, you've never seen someone who is, like, the mandatory for a belt. And then they say, no, I don't want to be the mandatory for the belt. It don't look right, you know. But I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm hoping that he, he steps up to the plate in that Tank Davis fight is next after Fortuna. But Fortuna's a live dog, man. I'm telling you, like, I, I see some of the things that he brings to the table. When Fortuna is on, he can get underneath those tall guys. He knows how to fight tall guys better than tall guys know how to face him. It's kind of like the mongoose and the snake. You know what I mean? Like, he has that type of um, ability. So it's going to be interesting. But like I say, t- um, Ryan has some serious power. And if he's able to you know, use that radar that he typically does and land something, you know, vicious on Fortuna, then whatever Fortuna brings to the table may not even matter, you know. But, yeah, that's all I have mm-hmm. for today, man. I think that was a pretty good, solid episode. Um, anything else you want to add in? No, sir. About to get this 5K in now. I'm, the, the talk got me hyped. Yeah, the combo got me hyped. The last so. thing I'm going to say is, I'm feeling good. you know, I went out to uh, Puerto Rico uh, recently, and I got up in that water, right? So that, that salt water, man, it does it does such a wonderful job on the body. You know what I mean? Like I had some body parts that were aching a little bit, but ever since I came back, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, maybe I may, need to make another trip for you know, medicinal purposes, but, um, yeah, man, I, I feel real <laughs> good. So I'm really getting my workouts back up where they need to be in order for me to get back where I'm looking at, um, to get to. So yeah, yeah. Keep it up, man. And, uh, the other thing I was going to say is I apologize to those, anybody that's been looking on YouTube for videos, you know, I've been traveling with the Milwaukee, went to Puerto Rico, um, drove around, you know, I was in Baltimore yesterday. And then also with work, it's been pretty busy. This is that time of the year when you have like evaluations and amongst other things that like deadlines and things like that. So I apologize for um, not posting anything on YouTube recently, but I'll make up for that. So on that note, you know, continue to support, you know, catch us on YouTube. Danny, did you do anything on Twitter with the fights yesterday? I did. I, I, I did the, the Andre fight, and then I plan on doing the – I'll probably do the okay. fight Okay, yeah, continue week. to support us on Twitter, Instagram, and all of those social media handles. On that note, we out. Have a great Monday. Catch you next week. Peace.